Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have a great honor of having a conversation with Dr. Kelly Palfi, psychologist and author of Men 2, Unspoken Truths About Male Sexual Abuse. So this is going to be a tough topic, but it is so important. So Kelly, thank you so much for, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yes, looking forward to this conversation. This is not one that we hear about almost anywhere. So I'm so excited that you've not only written your book, but the research you've done and the, the time you spent um, in this. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and how this book came about. Sure. Okay. So um, prior to becoming a psychologist, I was a Royal Canadian Mounted Police Officer. So that's the kind of like Canadian equivalent to your FBI. And Whoa, so I that's was... like, pause right there. You were what? You were a, <laughs> basically a Canadian FBI agent. <laughs> Royal Canadian Mounted Police, yes. And in the what a career of my, change. Yes. What a career change. Well, yes and no, honestly. I actually work a lot with first responders now and with the population that I used to investigate or oh, assist in investigations. So yeah. That's so neat. Uh, yeah. So to be brutally honest, I was uh, part of the inception of the integrated child sexual exploitation unit, the first one that we actually had in the RCMP, which is, I believe it was the first one, which is in British Columbia. Yeah, Manitoba had one already. And then we developed the first one within the RCMP. And the crazy part was that, you know, we were supposed to be the experts, right? And so um, I won't do the whole backstory because that would take 20 minutes, but basically I witnessed that men and boys were victims too because of the evidence that we had seized and were being forced to review. But what we weren't seeing was men reporting these crimes. So um, at a training seminar, a professional hockey player that had been abused by his coach came and spoke to us about why he didn't report his abuse. And it just, it just shocked me, floored me, like just made me so sad because it was like, I would say God opened my eyes at that point. Prior to being a police lady, I'd been a corrections officer and I had remembered questioning, like, why are there so many men in jail? And when he talked about how he turned to substance abuse and and stuff like that, it was like the lights went on. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew that like his reasons would not be the same reasons as every other man out there. I mean, obviously not every victim turns to substance abuse and whatnot and winds up in jail. So uh, when I pursued my doctoral research, I decided to study why boys and men were not coming forward. And my book was an offshoot of that. So that's the very, very short version about how I got involved in this type of work. <laughs> yeah, so you definitely have an intimate kind of insight into that because of all your years of work um, yeah. and the positions you've had and then the access to research. So mm-hmm. men and boys don't report. We, we definitely know that there's not a lot of reporting, but yet it's happening. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned from that? Well, research shows that approximately one out of every six males is sexually assaulted to some extent prior to the age of 16. 
the problem that happens is that a lot of boys and men, whether it's due to, you know, Western cultural biases or just their own ideas about masculinity, mm -hmm. they don't recognize themselves as victims often case. Correct. So this can have a profound effect on a man as he chooses to enter into an intimate relationship, uh, as he chooses to enter the workforce. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it could just, it, you know, sort of, depending on whether or not he recognizes himself as a victim. Like I say, a lot of, I would say a majority of men struggle if the abuse was not violent in nature, they would struggle to recognize or accept the fact that they might've been abused. And that's absolutely what I've seen in my 20, you know, 22 yeah. years of counseling. Right. That. So, and again, it's yeah. only a small number yeah. because even it's hard to have those conversations because if they don't want to see it as trauma or as abuse or even affect to them. So they actually have other ways it's playing out. So how is it playing yeah, absolutely, out? Absolutely. You're, you're bang on there and they will come into therapy for other reasons mm -hmm. like anger issues yep. or intimacy issues or yeah, you know, one partner's not happy. They'll come into therapy for those reasons and, you know, to be fair, the husband may not even recognize that this is what's the problem. Exactly. So, yeah, so things that we see would be things like, um, you know, perhaps the husband would be avoiding intimacy. Now, people who have a secret that they want to carry will stay a long ways away from any sort of deep, intimate conversation, lest he accidentally disclose or she figure it out or something like that. So that's one thing that can happen. Um, anger issues, right? He could be angry at himself for not having stopped the abuse if he is aware that he's a, a victim, uh, angry at his at himself for having responded physiologically if his body did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he may judge himself as if he knew then what he knows now. Okay. And you know, okay. that anger, if he cannot, you know, project that anger appropriately in the right direction, he's going to turn that anger inward towards himself. And that can lead to depression. Um, he could wind up, you know, picking fights with his intimate partner because he feels not understood or like mm -hmm. she would break up with him or end it or be disgusted with him if he were to tell his truth. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, um, too risky. It's too risky. Yes, exactly. And part of why they, you know, feel like they survived all this time is because they have maintained their silence mm -hmm. you know and um it can manifest as things like uh, a husband not wanting to assist with child care right so mm -hmm. there was a misconception that still exists today that you know if i was abused i'm going to be an abuser and that's absolutely not there's no they, the research shows that less than 10 percent of victims turn into abusers themselves so but because most offenders will say they were abused, whether or not that's true, there is this fear that if I was abused, there's a risk that I'll turn into an offender. So um, a lot of fathers will, for example, stay a long ways away from bathing their children or changing diapers, that kind of thing. Conversely, if they are taking part in those activities, they could be very triggered. They could be very um, upset with themselves for, you know, having to see their child's genitals or something like that. Like, be filled with the shame response, be, you know, needing to turn or wanting to turn to substances, that kind of thing. Yeah. You have so, you've discovered so much here that I mean, we need to probably spend hours unpacking. Like it's so important. And I love even the way that you put the title of your book, the yeah. Me Too 
adding the n is men this happens to men too mm -hmm. the sad thing is our culture does not allow for a space for it to be admitted if you do know, recognize it but how often we don't recognize it so there's two really big problems yeah there. right yeah both extremes and yeah. i mean it's changing our society is changing but not fast enough to support the men that are in that situation now mm -hmm. i mean you know Hollywood has romanticized male sexual abuse for years. It's, it's a coming of age experience. Yeah, it's terrible. I always say if you switched the genders around, that would never be an acceptable movie for people to watch. Well, and what we've seen in um, court cases over the last number of years where women have actually perpetrated on teenage mm -hmm. boys, and then we don't know what to do with that. If it was a man doing this to a girl, oh, we know how to persecute that or prosecute uh -huh. that. We know how to go after him. Sure. But we end up, well, maybe it's different when it's, no, it's not. Not. Um, In a lot of ways, I see it as worse because, you know, there's so many supports for women. It's completely socially acceptable for a woman to need those supports. Right. Whereas a man might believe himself to be weak or even, you know, be given mixed messages by his friends. You know, if he does disclose, his friends might be saying, oh, man, you were lucky. She was hot kind of yes. thing, you know, it's score, exciting. right? Yep. You know, that this myth that a man should never want to turn down sex, that kind right. of thing. So, yeah, I think it's worse for men in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and, and I mean, it's it's yeah, it's just it's so confusing for men. They, you know, they just choose to stay silent because, yeah, the fear of rejection, the shame, the confusion most men try to push it aside and just like forget about it and try to tell themselves that it never affected them but it does it does and then it plays out in their relationships or absolutely. the lack of relationships absolutely in their own yeah. personal fantasy life their own identity yeah. then that yeah. plays out in their work plays out and yep. they don't yep. see how how much it, it, it hits everything um, right. so what about when marriages then so when you think of this man who's had this past who no one knows about and then he meets someone and he gets married to this his bride mm -hmm. where does it go wrong where what have you seen as to kind of where this kind of starts coming out well again i mean it could be this um avoidance of intimacy right. mm -hmm. um because again because he might be afraid he might accidentally disclose um he could be struggling with you know if for example his body responded or he's confused you know, just about the fact that he was, you know, had a, had an erection or whatever during the abuse or was brought to that point. Um, he might be trying to prove to himself his own masculinity. So that could oh, be yes. promiscuity, yes. pornography. Yes. It could be like, you know, yeah, it could be just engaging in other acts of hyper-masculinity that he might not normally have engaged in. Right. So whether that's okay. extreme sports or yeah. Uh, avoidance in the sense of becoming an absolute workaholic, right. He mm -hmm. might, you know, it's, it's easier to, it's an easy way to avoid intimacy if I'm never home, if I'm at the office, or right. I need this, I need, I need to have some sort of a sense of achievement. So I will become a workaholic, right? And I will succeed in my career at the cost of my personal relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I've seen with couples, the impact of where their husband, so as a couple, where your husband's at matters. When it comes mm -hmm. to his his theology or belief system of just mm -hmm. sexuality, masculinity, gender, marriage, mm -hmm. and the truth yeah. is, is most have never even thought through it. Absolutely. So the need to. And unfortunately, 
a lot of men, a lot of boys are abused by someone who is associated to a Christian organization. So a lot of these victims are walking away from their faith, right? It's a pretty common known fact that pedophiles love to insert themselves into Christian organizations because um, they have, you know, they believe that Christians are easy targets, unfortunately. They think, you know, Christians are supposed to believe the good in all people. So therefore they're naive and, well, and trusting. And they have access, and absolutely. That's where like Boy Scouts years ago, I've heard so many stories of Boy Scout leaders and, mm -hmm. and boys who've been harmed because it was, hey, let's go out into the woods. There weren't these safeguards. Absolutely. Where now I'm in Boy Scouts with my kids it is one of the safest places because mm -hmm. of the rules that are in place or can be one of the safest places. I would even dare say safer than most churches because mm -hmm. the, the lack of boundaries and rules. We, we, my wife and I were in a church in, in Georgia that was really neat because of the, the pastor's wife's, her own story and her own boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. She had some rules set in place at the church that I couldn't be alone. No one could be alone in a room with kids. Awesome. Awesome. But husband and wife couldn't yeah. work together in the room either. Yeah. Okay. So that if like I were to do something, she would cover for me, mm -hmm. that kind of weirdness. And so she had all these rules. That yeah, it was absolutely. Like, I love this. Protect yeah. me from yeah. even the perception of evil, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, because people that are wanting to work in the nursery at churches, even they, the, you, most churches do a background check. They're not going to hand you that piece of paper if they know they have a background to check. So yeah. that's not how we catch this. Yeah. Like, so then they're not going to come and the way that there's access is really scary. What are some other things you found in some of your research and uh, about men and kind of where they get stuck? Um. Whether well, in I mean, marriage or just kind of, kind of wherever you. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, like this, just the concept that they don't want to, they don't want to get the help that they may benefit from yes. because there's this, yeah, because there's this fear yeah. that I, I'm the only one this ever happened to. There must be something wrong with me. If I tell them they're not going to understand, they're going to throw me out, right? They're going to yep. look, they're going to treat me differently right so i think that's a big hang up for a lot of boys and men right yes. aside from the recognizing that they were in fact victimized that that's the first hang up right there right yes right you there. know it wasn't it i mean i was 13 you know i was 13 she was my babysitter she was 16 you know she was hot you know all those things they yep. tell themselves whereas yep. if it was a 16 year old male babysitter with a 13 year old girl it would be no question right right absolutely true yeah, so. So that's one of the first big hangups is even recognizing right. that they were victims. And then, then second, taking a look at all the ways that they may have impacted their career choices, yes. their relationship choices, yes. how they parent, how, what they allow their children to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just absolutely every area of life is impacted by abuse. Right. Their ability to trust, huge. And if it was a male that did this, like you said, you've mentioned a couple of times, their body kind of betrayed them yeah. oftentimes where I had, a, I had a physical response, an erection, and I didn't want to. So there's, there's this disconnect and then there's this anger that's turned towards myself, yeah. not towards the abuser because, so, well, I'm supposed to be a sexual person. So therefore yeah. this should be okay. Or this should be wanted. There's so many levels and layers of, yeah, the way that we justify it, basically. 
Absolutely. And it's even harder for them if, for example, they grew up in an environment where they were lacking affection and their offender was one of their only sources of affection. So naturally they need that affection. They go back for more, right? What child does not want attention? So the profound sense of shame, if that's where they've gone to get their attention, to get their affection. Yeah. It didn't just happen once or twice. Mm -hmm. Then they became, they sought it out. Yeah. And then yes. the shame from that just heaps on. Yeah. And yeah. Then you fast forward to you're married now. And this is mm-hmm. where a lot of those listening, your husband may be one of these that actually is a, is a victim of sexual abuse and has no clue or yes. very much has a clue, but mm-hmm. has done everything in his power to run from it, to hide it, to fight Absolutely. it, to stuff yeah. it. And it's very often the case that they will not disclose until after their marriages implode, right? Because they will try everything to keep the secret. Then after the marriage finally implodes, they'll say, you know, maybe I need to deal with this. Yeah. That's usually, that's usually when I see them. Right. And I I saw this one couple, like we're dealing with her sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. but luckily we were working as a couple. It was incredible. And about halfway through this about six month period, all of a sudden it was like, well, he does too. Mm-hmm. And wow, did things even turn more and just yes, beautiful absolutely. too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the intimacy that can be created when they trust each other enough to, you know, to be that person, to be that support, to you know, continue to be the intimate partner they married. Yes, and that's but the commitment that we need to make is really whatever you disclose, I need to, I need to stay in, I need to be all in, but this is going to be hard. That's a hard commitment for anyone to make. Well, and you know, I, I'm just working on a workbook right now Mm -hmm. that's going to help male survivors bring up those conversations, right? So I recognize, yeah, because it's not easy, right? So for example, I would suggest, you know, um, starting off with a disclosure, like, Hey, you know, there are some reasons that I maybe haven't spoken to you about before. Um, you know, I am a bit confused about how much they impact me, but it could be relevant and I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, or maybe, you know, I'm going to talk to someone else first about how to talk to you about this, but, you know, just, and I need your patience. And, you know, for example, I don't want you to pity me. I don't want you to look at me as less of a man. I don't want you to, yeah, I don't want you to change how you treat me. Those kinds of things, like for them to sort of look at their own needs and say, okay, if I'm going to be honest with this, what do I need? It's giving instruction, which is actually, we act like we're supposed to know it all as a husband or wife. No, I learn how to love my wife by her teaching me. She -hmm. learns to love me by me teaching her. We don't see that as a part of marriage, but it's actually a critical part of every relationship. Absolutely. Boundaries, teaching what I can and can't handle, or please don't talk about money at midnight, that kind of thing. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I would even take it one step farther and say, suggest, you know, disclose in bite-sized pieces, right? Like what you're comfortable disclosing, try it on. Like, you know, there's, I was actually abused, right? Um, I'm not comfortable talking about it quite yet, but just wanted you to know that this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm not comfortable talking about, or, 
you know, just, I would just caution them from minimizing their own abuse, right? Because that's typically what men do. They will minimize their own abuse. They will try to rewrite their own memories and tell themselves that they actually enjoyed it. And then if their perpetrator, you know, if their perpetrator was male, poof, shaming, right? Like, you know, there's um, a lot of confusion for a male who's aroused for the first time by someone who's, for example, offered to teach them how to masturbate, right? Like, yeah. You know, um, they're confused about whether or not they're actually attracted to men or women. And it's, yeah, yeah that's, that's why we have laws in place. <laughs> yeah. And we need to, we need to protect those laws. And I think we're not doing a good job of that. Yeah, I think we're we moving into a kind of everything goes, there are no boundaries, but then shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. It's like, wait a minute, you can't have both. There needs to be boundaries and we need to stop we need to shame the right people in a sense, as in shame a perpetrator, yeah. not yeah. the victim. Absolutely. Where I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask any of my students or clients or anyone to have to face the court system. Like yeah. the court system is so they're doing better of being more trauma informed and being more kind of the whole the uh, casa mm -hmm. the almost advocate, but yeah. it's still to parade your story up in front of a jury and it's i wouldn't it's wish traumatizing that i wouldn't wish secondary that. Traumatizing. Traumatizing. yeah secondary yeah. trauma yeah for sure yeah. Yeah. so i i guess i guess my take home for your listeners would be like if you if you're struggling with these you know anger issues or intimacy issues or your husband is like engaging in acts of hyper masculinity always trying to prove his masculinity always pushing you away always picking fights always Ooh, yeah uh, you know right? Uh, just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a distance creator. If I can pick a fight or, you know, always away, not engaged with the kids, those kind of things, it might be something worth looking at, you know, like the, and that is what I wrote my book about, which was, you know, why are boys and men not disclosing? One of the reasons is because they often feel like what they would have to disclose will be too much for their partner to handle. Right. You couldn't handle the truth, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. And if um, for your for the wives listening, you know, I think their role would be to um, create that safe space and say, hey, you know, if this is an issue, we can handle it together. And it's not your fault. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't up to you. You know, those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. Well, like through your book, I bet you more women will be buying that book than men. I often get the women reading it first, right? right. Because they want to they want to be able to support their partner. Yeah. Uh, they want to be able to understand, which, yeah, I mean, in my book, that was the whole, one of the two purposes to writing my book were to support male survivors and to create education pieces for, you know, women and partners and helping right. professionals to pastors to be able to understand the struggles that men, boys and men go through. It's a lifelong struggle. It's not yeah. just one and done. It's, it's a, it's a lifelong struggle of, you know, avoidance, blocking, hiding, mm -hmm. rewriting. Right. Which I'll mention your, your website is kellypalfi.com. Yeah.com. Yes. And we'll have that in show notes in terms of spelling and all that kellypalfi.com. And you can access videos and other content, and then obviously purchase the book there too. Um, mm -hmm. You offer services, but in your area um, mm -hmm. there in Canada. So this is, yeah so important for us to talk about because I can think of so many wives who they know something's wrong but they can't put their finger on it oh, yeah. and so to be able to maybe read this and and, and I hope yeah. it's wrong I hope you're wrong I hope you read yeah. this and find out there's something else and it's not this but yeah. what if it was 
let's eliminate well, this one. And you know, the other thing, like I've had men that I've um, counseled want to be able to tell their wives and they struggle to do this. What a couple of my clients have just simply left my book around because for them, it's an easy, <laughs> this is my psychologist, you know, like, oh, this is what she wrote. and then they leave the book laying on the counter and the conversation comes up. Right. That's great. Um, alternatively, alternatively parents read, read my book so that you can, you know, be aware of what could be going on with your boys, your sons. So right. So yeah. True. Yeah. A majority of the, that. That's so important. Yeah, absolutely. You right. That as a parent yeah. to inform and protect your sons from themselves yeah. Yeah. of being mm-hmm. son yeah. or daughters being a perpetrator, if you will, but also so they can actually have an understanding of boundaries. And I would, I would say more so not necessarily to keep their sons or daughters from being perpetrators, but to prevent them from being groomed by an offender. Mm-hmm. Cause I go gotcha. through the grooming techniques. I okay, go good. through the Yeah, I go through the three stages of grooming, which is the groomer grooms himself, then he grooms the victim's family, and then he and then he grooms the child before he acts as a child. And then I go through all the ways that Mm -hmm. trauma can manifest itself in a male victim's life. Like, you know, for example, they might be misdiagnosed as being OCD or ADHD or just any of those things when really it's a manifestation of the trauma. And the reasons why they will, even despite all the trouble they're getting into, all the misdiagnosis, they will remain silent, whether that's fear or, you know, fear of being labeled a victim, fear of being labeled homosexual, fear that, you know, actually I was quite shocked in the, in the, in my research, a lot of the boys that I, or men that I interviewed who were victimized as boys said they did not disclose to their parents because their parents already had too much on their plate. So they're already doing what culture teaches them to do, which is be men, right? Mm -hmm. Protect, provide. So even as little boys, they're protecting their parents from information they think would be too hard to handle, especially if the parent has another child with high needs. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's huge. That's so so amazing. Yeah. Pedophiles are experts at targeting vulnerable children, whether that's the kid that's already got a history of lying, the kid whose sister needs more attention than their parents have to give to, you know, you know, two parent working families, which most people are. And, you know, little Johnny can't go to baseball unless I drive them. The offenders will find a way to fill a need, befriend the parents. What, What people need to know, and I'm sure most people know this now, is that 95% 95% of child sexual abuse is perpetrated by someone the family knows and loves. Yes. And that is not easy to stomach, but it is true. That's what I, part of what I teach in my trauma class is it's 90, 91% is what I show them that 9% is stranger danger. Mm-hmm. And that's what we actually spend more time on. Right. And that 91% is someone that was invited in the home that was a part of the family or a family member or, yeah. you know, someone that would actually be, had been vetted, if you will, yeah, and made their way in. So this is really good. The grooming process is yeah. so critical. Yeah. To know. Yes, I, I cannot emphasize enough that people have to become familiar with that process because yes. then you can spot it. Right. Yes. And the problem yeah. is, is you can spot it, but you can't spot it until it's almost too late. Yeah. So being able to know the process allows you way more insight and a lot of it isn't necessarily, you don't want to, yes, you want to spot it afterwards so you can help the victim. Goodness. Yes. Yet. But the prevention is some of the just safeguards you set up as a family. Yeah. You absolutely. don't allow 
um, certain times alone with someone that's not mom or dad, but even how many stepdads especially have actually perpetrated. Absolutely. So, An offender will marry someone who has children just below his age and gender of preference or age of oh, preference, right? I know it makes your skin curl, but no, they are no. professionals. It is their career aspirations. That is their only goal in life. If you know, if you and I are, are happy to be helpers, they're happy to be pedophiles. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. So important. I know. And you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, 90 some percent of abuse being perpetrated by someone that we know and love is not something we want to accept. And that is why it keeps being perpetrated because right. offenders count on their reputations that they build. That's the grooming themselves right. process. They build, they set themselves up in a community to be perceived as the least likely person you'd ever suspect would do that. So when little Johnny, who's already been in trouble for stealing cookies out of the cookie jar, hitting his sister or whatever, breaking a window, says, hey, mom, this happened. Oh, guess what? He's lying again, right? It's it's horrendous. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> and then you get the adult, which is what we kind of even just started on, that it plays out in their life, but they don't even see it or they're hiding it. Mm -hmm. So the support that you provide other counselors, the truth is, I would say most counselors are not prepared to deal with this issue. Yeah. And so find a counselor, find a group that will actually go there. Mm -hmm. How many counselors I've talked to who are clients who've gone to counselors who, as soon as you bring up this topic, the counselor changes the subject. And you know what I would say? Yeah, I would say to that, buy my book and get your counselor to read it too. <laughs> yes, it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Great idea. Yes. You, you know, another thing that I think I would just mention in regards to how male sexual abuse can affect a couple is if, well, if anyone has to be forced to push down those bad emotions, just the suppressing of the bad emotions also causes us to suppress the good emotions. So, you know, somebody okay. might be saying, you know, I'm not in love anymore. I'm not happy in my marriage. When really the case is that they've had to suppress their emotion to the extent they are no longer feeling those good ones. Right. That's a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. The, yeah. You're basically suppressing them all. You're cutting yourself off from being human. Yeah. yeah, in order to survive. Yeah. And I would even dare say 100% of us have our issues. Oh, yeah. The mental health, like, oh, you have a mental health issue. No, we all have mental health issues. What's yours? Yeah. And so it's like, when we start <laughs> normalizing this, it's like, not yeah. all of us are ADD, but ADD is more, because of the way we define it, it's more typical than we realize. So let's not label it as that and go, oh, it stinks that you have ADD. Let's actually go, how are we going to help support you in the fact that you have a propensity to have these mm -hmm. struggles? Oh, you're yeah. bipolar. Oh, you're depression or anxiety. It's like when we understand what we're dealing with, that's the first step. It's half the battle mm -hmm. is defining it. Mm -hmm. Then it's not an excuse. We don't tattoo it on our forehead. It becomes, okay, how steep is my hill? Mm -hmm. In terms of how, mm -hmm. what I need to do to overcome some of the liabilities I have against myself. Mm -hmm. And then life's very different. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've um, had a chance to read uh, Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah wrote a book together called mm. What Happened to You. And I love, I love that book. I would, it's, it's not a Christian based book. It's not certainly not against Christianity. It's a, but it's called What Happened to You. And he's basically trying to, 
you know, change the question from what's wrong with you to what happened to you, right? So I love that reframe. I think it's so relevant. Yes. And yeah, yes. I think it's it's the approach we need to take. And I would again, we say 100% of us. We think of it that Absolutely. way. Yeah. We don't go, oh, they have mental health issues, no. implying that what I don't. Yeah. It's like, what happened? what happened to you exactly? And same for mm -hmm. then you're able to be in the same community with that person going, because things happened to me too. Yeah. We have issues in our family growing up. We had hard moments, whether it was moving from house yeah. to house or school to school or serious trauma and loss. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we're all Absolutely. broken and we need to save yeah. you. Yeah. Thank God we have one. I know. So that's where in the end, some of this yeah. journey is pointing the people to the cross. But as yeah. you mentioned earlier, it's hard to do that when the harm happened in the church. Yeah. So you I really want to, I really, really, really want to make the church the place that men go for healing, not, exactly. not to be, you know, I mean, I have worked with several men who have walked away from their faith because the church chose to support the pedophile instead of them. The church chose to believe the, the offender. And it's devastating on so many levels, A, because the perpetrator still gets to be in that community and continue to offend against other children or what have you. And the victim is left, you know, feeling like why did god let this happen because you right. know they don't understand that this is human failure not god failure right so and it's funny you, you work mostly with men there i've worked mostly with women same story though how many yeah. have been so yeah. harmed by Absolutely. leadership in the church they just didn't get it didn't see no. thought they were being doing the right thing but were missing the heart of this little girl or this little little boy or young man or young woman um, we need to create a place of healing. Well, again, back to that idea. It's unfathomable. I mean, research shows that we all think we think the same, right? So <laughs> you and I would never do these things. 90 some percent of the population, more than 90, like 95, 97% of the population would never want to harm a child. 3% of the population, and I'm just throwing numbers out there. I don't know if these are real. Make it their career, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that's that's the point though like offenders especially those who offend against boys have large populations of victims like the research shows that one offender will have approximately 150 victims each across a lifetime so they're offending against the boys of their age of preference while they're their age of preference then they age out and they stay silent and then they find another victim they age out they stay silent they find another wow. victim it's brutal yeah and some of these me Go ahead. I was just going to say some boys recognize this and will choose to take the abuse so that the other person doesn't have to. It's yes. brutal. I've yes. seen that with girls as well, protecting their sisters. Yes, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 We need to be a voice for the, for those victims and speak up, speak out against this, which is again, what your book is attempting mm -hmm. to do. And you also just, for those listening, if you want to book, um, Dr. Kelly here, Dr. Kelly Palfi to come speak. That's, she does that as well. Um, mm -hmm. But again, this is a book that should be on our shelves in our church libraries in, um, mm -hmm. in our community, because this needs to be talked about. This is the kind of stuff I spend my time reading all the time. And I know mm -hmm. many of you listening, <laughs> you don't want to read at all. And I understand that, but the importance is so critical that we be a voice for those that, and literally these men don't have a voice. 
mm-hmm. because of the cultural silences them. And, and, and I do recognize that a lot of people don't feel they have time to read a book. So I actually audio recorded the book as well. Nice. And you could listen to it on your commute. <laughs> that is perfect. That's like awesome. <laughs> That's good. Yes. So, so helpful. Yep. Um, so I guess this, the next question I even have is, so now what? Like you've oh. <laughs> done this and the, oh my gosh. the workbook. I love the idea of the workbook. Well, I'm, I'm, I've got myself and a colleague have just complete a children's series, which is so parents can have those very uncomfortable conversations with the children, because, you know, they're, you know, people often wonder, like, how do you talk about this stuff? What do we, right? So we're still fighting with our illustrator trying to get it uploaded, but we have complete these three books. One I uploaded yesterday and the other two, I mean, they'll all be uploaded before Christmas, even if we have to redo the whole darn things, but yeah. So we have myself and a colleague have created a, children's book series called creating safer spaces uh, uh hang on creating personal safety series sorry <laughs> uh, creating personal safety series nice. and uh yeah the first book is about a little boy being groomed by a friend of his father's a co-worker of his father's mm. uh being groomed through through the use of his little part-time job helping out with the puppies and it's not super graphic or anything it gets the point across without traumatizing anybody hopefully um the second book is about a little girl who goes to therapy and works with a therapy dog and just talks about how much she's learned from being in therapy and then the third one is about um a teenage girl who gets involved with a party and picture taking and it ends up in a human like trafficking situation and they all end well they all have like happy endings and big lessons and psychoeducational points that parents can bring up with kids yeah it says like during now talk about this with your child right so nice yeah oh good i look forward to those that's really good that's all right neat. yeah this is again one of those topics that we just don't want to talk about but it's so important yeah. and i hope those listening really yeah. do it's not meant to alarm but it's meant if you're struggling in your marriage mm-hmm. we need to talk about so we might need to have a, a business meeting as a couple and kind of go yeah. what's going on give some space where that could be brought up if they were exactly. waiting to yes. or again yes. this book could be a great yeah. um, dr mm-hmm. poppy's book and and simply understanding that the reason boys and men don't recognize it and the reasons boys and men don't disclose can help yes yeah just understanding that psychoeducational yeah. word just learning can really change the way we our compassion too but also the tools we might need to enter into hard conversations because the goal is heal the goal is yeah. growth. The goal is to strengthen them. And, and also so that we don't accidentally put out judgment, right? Nice. Um, I love that. I, so I know people, people would, I think people would say, well, I would never judge if I learned that. But, you know, a lot of times it's done, I want to say accidentally. I like, to, I like to give the example. I had a client who had been abused as a boy. And as a result of that abuse, he developed an aversion to putting a toothbrush in his mouth, which is understandable given his abuse. Yes. Um, so he, he didn't, he was past the stage where his parents checked on him anymore as far as his toothbrushing. So it went unnoticed for seven years, which I think is a bit excessive. I mean, did you buy him a new toothbrush during that time? But anyway, <laughs> so, so yeah. And these were his adult teeth at this point. So he ended up with very significant damage to his teeth. Uh, as an adult, he'd saved like $50,000 and tried to go get his teeth fixed. Well, the dental hygienist shamed him so bad, he got up and laughed. 
So just an example of how someone who was a male survivor could accidentally be judged right. without even kind of knowing that we're doing it, right? Great example. Yeah. And there's so many areas like that that we right? misinterpret what they're doing right? with the signals. Why does your husband refuse to go to a chiropractor? Maybe because he was abused by a man and he's afraid to be touched by a man. He doesn't trust men, right? Yeah. Why does your husband refuse to go to the dentist? Because he's traumatized while he's on, he's he's in completely in the black zone while he's in the dentist chair, right? Yeah. 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 It can manifest itself in so many ways. But honestly, I think, you know, anytime you're struggling with these hard nose or hard, like just like excessive boundaries that don't make sense consider abuse consider if there could have been abuse yeah yeah i'm i'm to the point where when i see almost any diagnosis in in the women that i work with i'm looking behind it going was there sexual abuse or trauma absolutely same for men almost always is and the Mm -hmm. numbers are showing that it's almost the same for men and that's scary yeah absolutely i think the scariest part is the repression of it right like like I say, I literally think like God opened my eyes to see this. If you call me a seer in that way or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. But it was like, yeah. it was like, you know what? I worked in corrections and I remember being so confused. Why are there so many men in prison compared to women? Because, you know, I grew up seeing the not so good side of women too. And I was like, well, they're just as bad. Why are there more men in prison than women? And then, <laughs> you know, I just, and, and like, again, not to say if you're a victim, you wind up in jail. That's not the case. It's just. You know, you, you, numbers. yeah, you get a child, a male child or female that was sexually abused and is completely distracted, dysregulated, whatever, uh, unable to sleep because of their abuse. What chance do they have of succeeding in grade three math? Right. 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 Yeah. 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 And your, your history, your, where God has taken you in your career, I think is just a perfect setup where you've seen things that most of us haven't seen, yeah, corrections, but then your other work. And then the mm-hmm. access to data that mm-hmm. helped you see something that, again, others aren't seeing that's led to now this, this book. And mm-hmm. I look forward to the workbook as well, just to see how that can be used in our churches, small groups. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy thing. We don't want to sign up for that, but we need to talk yeah, about yeah. this and be places of healing. Yeah, actually, now, now that I think about it, I have also complete an eight-part um, series for churches. I'm just waiting for a pastor friend to finish up his part. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Good, good. And that'll all be on your website, right? Access to it. Uh, yeah. When it's, yeah, when it's ready. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, in, in the U S there is a group called echoes. Um, pastor, uh, Robert Marshall is, um, just kind of getting going with his ministry, I would say, but he's, nice. he's in the U S and they're doing U S tours, um, having like, dinners for male survivors just creating awareness and they've got support groups popping up and they're doing good stuff down there good good to hear Mm -hmm. we need more of those that's so important yeah for sure yeah way overdue way overdue you know i just i just um like this whole idea of you know that we we can we can't ignore this anymore is what i'm trying to say you know like it's it's too prevalent we don't have that luxury anymore it's too prevalent right well, I'm excited. And your website is um, kellypalfi.com. Yep. You can buy, purchase book, access more content. Um, yep. And then also see some of the other stuff we've talked about here that'll be coming. Um, definitely excited about those uh, children's books as well. So that's, that's wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Kelly Palfi for your Thank time. You. Mm, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. 
pleasure. Thank, honored. Thank, honored to have you on the show and look forward to seeing what you do and how you change the world and point people to Christ. <laughs> yeah. He can heal. I always say I can help. He can heal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> statement. Love that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, you, Corey. You too. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.